I'm Mike. I'm Grant. It's Halloween, Grant, or at least close enough. Yeah, it is. Do you have your costume picked out? Yeah, I think I'm going to go for factory worker. Didn't the village people already dress up as that? Sure, but they didn't work at the MacGuffin factory. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of, Mac- of the MacGuffin Factory, and we're actually doing a special Halloween episode. That's right. I'm Grant. And I'm Mike. And we're talking about MacGuffins and plot devices that are specific to Halloween, specifically haunted objects. There's there's no way we couldn't do something like this for Halloween. It just... I don't know about you, Grant, but I am, I'm a sucker for a good ghost story. It's... I, you know, especially living here in New Jersey, we have more ghost stories per capita, I think, than anyone. Because we actually have uh, a magazine, or now it's they come out in books and websites now. But when I was a kid, there used to be a magazine called Weird New Jersey, and it was full of weird ghost stories. And I actually went chased down like a dozen of them. I loved them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everywhere on the East Coast, I think, tries to claim that they're the most haunted spot in America, that sort of thing. You know, South Carolina, it's got the Civil War history to go with it. You know, Charleston loves it. I just found a book of, like, hauntings in my hometown. Oh, man, they're everywhere. And, yeah, ghost stories are good. Horror movies I hate and dread and cower away from. (laughs) But as it turns out, I actually really like horror games and horror books. It's apparently just movies. There are some really good ones that have come out recently. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, listen, you know me. I plug dread whenever I can. Yeah, Dread is one that has not reached my repertoire yet, but man, anytime you get a game that focuses around a Jenga tower, I, I'm going to be in. I'm going to exactly. be Exactly. All right, so for new listeners, let's give you a quick rundown of the MacGuffin Factory. Uh, we come up with MacGuffins and plot devices that are kind of themed around something for you to just take and run with. We don't care if you use these in a story or if you get inspired by something we mention and just take it and run in a completely different direction our goal is to just kind of pick a theme and throw inspiration at you until something sticks now one word of advice if you hear something that gets you thinking stop what you're doing safely if like me you listen to podcasts in the car pause the podcast okay follow that train of thought write it down or you know record a quick blurb on your phone or whatever Because we are here to help inspire you rather than just show off how inspired we get when we think about things. Yeah, because both of us have had a lot of these moments where you have that moment of inspiration and you say to yourself, yeah, I'll totally do something with that later. Or, yeah, I'll completely remember that when I'm, you know, at a more profitable place. Oh, yeah. I have a 45-minute commute. Do you know how hard it is for me to remember inspirations for 45 minutes when I'm listening to a podcast in the car? Oh, I bet. Yeah, there, it's awful. Th- there's a reason why, you know, my I have a little go bag that goes with me everywhere I go when I when I leave the house, and there's a bare minimum of one blank notebook in that bag at any given time because I always want to make sure there's a pen and paper handy because too many great ideas have vanished before I've had a chance to write them down. Exactly. All right. So, quick housekeeping note: uh, the McGuffin Factory is now on iTunes. It is. And so if you, if that's how you subscribe, check it out. Uh, you can listen to us there and, uh, take a minute and share out the MacGuffin factory and tell people about it because word of mouth really helps us out. 
Absolutely. And we love it when you guys, if you, if there's a particular thing that you guys have listened to and you go, man, that's awesome. And you create a story. We'd love to hear about that. We've actually had a couple. Uh, And they were good too. I enjoyed them. It was very good. And especially if, if you, whether you do it in a story or in a game or anything, or even if you come up with your own and you want to leave a comment on our website, please do that. We love seeing those. It is really encouraging to see you guys get inspired and even come up with your own to add to it. We're also always looking for more MacGuffins that we can do in future episodes, so definitely let us know. Yeah, the hardest part of doing this is coming up with the MacGuffin for the month. Seriously, help us out. Yeah, once we get the theme, we're pretty solid. We can get a bunch of ideas pretty quickly, but narrowing it down to that thing that we're going to be talking about, that takes... That takes some effort, and we would love it if you guys could help us, not only because it makes life easier for us, but also because we want you guys to be a part of what we're doing here. Also, you're probably smarter than us. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Yeah. All right. On that self-effacing note, let's get this started, shall we? Absolutely. Okay. So my first idea for a haunted thing, right? And this came up just right as I was leaving work. Haunted church bell. Ooh, And there's so many ways you can take this because any good haunted church bell, there's a couple different options. Maybe it's a bell that sits up there and can never be taken down, but it can never, ever be rung because if you ring it, it summons the ghost. Or maybe every time you have to, you know, play the bells, you have to make sure to ring that bell despite the fact that it sounds a sour note because if that bell gets left out whatever spirit inhabits it gets upset and starts causing problems another option halloween specific right every halloween you have to ring this bell you know it ha- this bell has to peel out and maybe you know it doesn't ring the rest of the time but this particular bell has to ring every halloween or you know the the ghosts will become upset and all of them will come out and you know start haunting the area because it's all hallows eve See, I like that last one, especially if you put it in that church setting, because you almost get this this understanding of there is this world of craziness that is just waiting to be unleashed upon the world. But there is something about this one church that kind of stands in the doorway and says, no, you can't. Right. I, I like that idea. Yeah. The other option is that it's a bell that's completely silent to mortal ears, but it calls ghosts and spirits rather than the living. Hmm. Uh, and I'll admit full inspiration for that one comes from uh, Terry Pratchett and the Discworld novels. Uh, Ankh-Morpork University has bells that create silence when rung, and that idea has always stuck with me. You, you've, you've got this cacophony of sound when all the bells in the city go off, and then there's kind of a mute button when the bell is struck. Yeah. And, it, and the sound fades back in as the kind of anti-peel of that bell fades. It's a cool idea. Sir Terry Pratchett is, of course, an amazing author. Oh, there's no, um, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, but that idea of a silent bell that kind of does the opposite, really cool. Yeah, nice. All right, what's your first idea? Well, I had actually thought about this for another MacGuffin idea that we were going to do, but that one never quite panned out. But I really love this idea, and it fits so perfectly here that I figured I'd bring it back. I like the idea of a spirit actually being within a book. Mm-hmm. Especially, I, I just have this idea of whether it's a journal or it's an unfinished novel 
or it's a history book, something where somebody is recording just the day-to-day stuff. Uh, and I love the fact that it would be unfinished and there'd be blank pages still left in the book. However, you it's assumed that the person who was writing it is basically just either just done. It just stopped. Or the person had died of natural causes during the process of writing, especially if it was a novel. A lot of people do this. Heck, we just had uh, Robert Jordan. His books have been finished by other people yep. because he died in the process of writing it. So I, I figured this book would, would have that kind of place. But what you realize is that the author, the spirit of the author actually dwells within the book and is basically revealing that the death was not natural in the least. And so pages keep getting added to the book and somebody finds it. And the the spirit of this author is actually trying to find justice for the against the people who were actually responsible for his death. Oh, yeah. And there's a couple of ways you can take that because maybe the book doesn't get added to, but certain things change over time. Maybe either both the manuscript, either text or pictures can be added as well. And that that can even fit within the changing narrative of what the person who found the book actually does, because there might be a text in there that reads a certain way and then decision goes a different way and all of a sudden boom the whole text or images all change within it yeah. because as a direct result of that decision yeah really i mean this diary idea could be the conceit for a whole novel you know you have a diary that just doesn't stop after death right you know you write that out and publish it boom you're set <laughs> you know yeah it continues on yeah and a modern take on this that could be a lot of fun is a haunted flash drive or like a used iPhone that is getting voicemails and files and pictures right from a ghost your classic blog that keeps updating even after death <laughs> right dead journal actually becomes useful right things like that dead, oh i said it dead journal oh that's awful no it's a real site is it really yeah it's a alternative to live journal of course it is of course it is yeah like i said it's got a real use now. Yeah, Grant, what's your next one? Uh, okay, so speaking of terrible things, this is a plot device in far too many horrible horror movies, especially the found footage genre. A mirror that shows the spirit realm. Oh, they just had one that not that long ago. What was it? Uh, Oculus was all around oh, yeah. a, a mirror. Oh, yes. And uh, I think there was a one called The Mirror a few years ago. Uh, I've been listening to System Mastery and reading their... Tw- um, Halloween movie review. They do a movie review every day because, hey, why not? And uh, there have been a couple of mov- of horror movies based on mirrors in their list of movies this year. So it's kind of been on my mind. And, you know, doing it right, I think, would be pretty exciting. Because mirrors are cool, right? They are inherently, here's kind of a an other world. And that lends itself really well to any sort of ghost story. But rather than a big, ornate, haunted mirror that does creepy things and shows creepy things, wouldn't it be cool if you had to carry the mirror around to see the ghosts? I was just about to say, it kind of inspired by... uh, It's something that I I sort of saw in a Doctor Who episode, where in that case it was an alien, but it still very much fits conceptually with what we're talking about here. There was in, In that case, there was an alien you could only see if viewed through a mirror. Yeah. And I just have this idea of of 
literally an entire other world, like almost as a separate dimension, as it were, where you could only see it through a mirror and see it, it mirrors this world, but not quite. And so the only way you can view it is through that mirrored glass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything like that. But I like the idea of this awkward thing you have to carry around. Yeah. You know, like not like a full size mirror, but do you know how hard it is to do action things when you have a mirror in front of you and you're looking over your shoulder or you're trying to like look 45 or 90 degrees in this mirror. Like it's just weird and awkward. And it would be particularly fun in a, either a modern or a sci-fi setting. If it was one of those really ornate hand mirrors. Yeah, exactly. So everyone's like, what the heck are you doing? (laughs) Right. Or again, the, the cell phone thing, right? You reverse the camera. Right. So you, you, you're, you have, you're taking ghost selfies. (laughs) With ghosties? No, ghost selfies. <laughs> Clearly. We're only making up so many words per episode, all right? <laughs> we can only go so far. Yes, please. Speaking of, Mike, your next one. Okay, this one is actually inspired by a local ghost story here, but I kind of took it to the next level. Uh, there actually is a, a story of, of an old tree that is out in the middle of the field, and I've actually tr- I've actually tracked this one down. It's not far from my house. And the way the ghost story went was was that it was a tree that in this neighborhood long before I was here, uh, it was a, a known place for the KKK and they would actually do a lot of lynchings on that tree. And so the whole idea was is that everyone that was killed on that tree, their spirit is trapped in that tree. Well, there's a whole lot of other stories that come along with that because you can't have a, a story like that and not have it grow through the generations but i was really curious about what would happen if the tree was ever cut down like say you know the story eventually fades and say people stop talking about the tree and stop telling people not to touch it or not to cut it down what if that tree actually is for for one reason or another maybe somebody buys the field that it's in or or maybe it's part of you know some lumber deal or maybe some dude just is sick and tired of it being there Cuts it down and makes it into things. Yeah, he's real tired of having a ghost around, and uh, he'd like to make a little money off hardwood. Right. So, cuts down the tree, makes stuff out of it, and then everything that that is made from that tree suddenly takes on some element of that, whether it's one or multiple spirits that were trapped in the tree. Yeah, well, they, they get divvied up equally, right? Yeah, naturally. Yeah. Yeah, or the ghosts, like any of the ghosts can appear from any of them, and so all of a sudden you've just kind of created this infestation. Yeah, oh, that would be crazy, especially because you realize that, you know, that isn't a selling point to people. So all these people are finding these things that are somehow tied together. And if you're doing this in a role-playing game, you actually have a way to tie people together in a party, because all these random people suddenly have these items that are drawn together as these spirits are trying to regain what they used to have. There you go. I like it. So, Grant, what about your next one? Okay. So, uh, I I got to say, first thing, that, probably the second thing that came to mind today was a haunted car. <laughs> Not Stephen King's Christine, okay? But a normal car with ghosts haunting it. Like, a family of ghosts in the car, haunting it and driving it around. Maybe they're aware they're ghosts and they're friendly or kind of at least useful. I mean, imagine a ghost taxi driver 
right? You know, who's he ferrying around? The living and the dead? Maybe he kind of knows rumors and can, you know, spread them both ways. Oh, my right? goodness. I, that, I'm immediately thinking like a... Uh, well, it's it's very Dresden Files, right? Yeah, I'm also thinking of like, like almost like, it, depending on who you talk to, different pronunciations, but I've always gone with uh, uh, Charon, the, the dude who ferries people into the afterlife in Greek mythology. Yeah, I mean... Uh, <laughs> It's an updated version. It's a taxi instead of a Yeah, bike. that was that is immediately my thought too, was a taxi driver who goes around collecting the dearly departed. Sure. Well, and there's always been I mean, as soon as railroads started becoming a thing, you had your ghost train that ferries the you know, the dead on oh, there, and that sort of thing. There are I mean, dozens of stories any about ghost trains. The vehicle that carries the dead along is classic mythology. Yeah. Uh however updated it is. I mean Maybe in a hundred years we've got the the ghost space shuttle. I don't know, um, but I like the idea too that it's just a family of ghosts in a car doing its thing, right? Like maybe they know they're ghosts, but this is kind of where they are stuck and what they do. So they're just kind of constantly road tripping, or maybe they don't know they're ghosts and they're trapped in this pattern. And you know, it, it's kind of a, a a hell for them because. Nothing they do seems to to break this road trip or the traffic they're stuck in or or whatever. Maybe they're aware and they hate the living and they do kind of the, you know, we're going to run people down kind of thing. There's a lot of different ways you can take it. But rather than a car that is possessed, a car that is just driven by ghosts and has ghosts in it doing kind of normal things is really enticing because it has that good mix of creepy and normality yeah see i i like that because it it does i think there's a lack of modern ghost stories where ghosts are just there yeah that they're just a presence within the story not they're either you know in a lot of times especially nowadays where we've gone into the horror movie of gore and awful well at least jump scares yeah yeah you, you get you you don't have the the normal thing. It's always it's always the over the top ridiculous stuff that. But because of the fact that this podcast is published on a Christian website and through a, an organization of a particular faith, people would yell at us for. Um, I like the idea of just random ghosts, random spirits that are doing normal everyday things and are downright polite. I just imagine mm-hmm. I just imagine like Ward and June Cleaver in the car in the front seat, you know, Ward smoking his smoking his pipe and saying, "Well, hello there, scamp." Like I just <laughs> No, yeah. Well, it's very Twilight Zony. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Speaking of everyday things, you've got another one. I do. Uh, I had the idea of a faithful servant who basically pledges his entire life to a family to basically as long as there is a, a member of this family, he will be there to serve them. And at first, this is great. I mean, obviously, while he's still around, he's it's just the obvious like the, the, the doting butler. But at the same point, after death, he's still kind of hanging around and still taking care of the family. Now, we've heard that in a bunch of stories before, and so my idea to make this kind of unique and kind of of change the script a little bit is, what happens when the house is no longer in the family? Yeah. Uh, So, I don't know how, depending on how you want to tell the story, there's lots of different ways that can happen. Maybe... Oh, yeah, this this can go Casper the Friendly Ghost to, wait, you're not my family, I'm going to go all poltergeisty on you. Right, I... 
I didn't, you know, that could be a way to go, but that wasn't what I was thinking. I was just thinking of this kind of benevolent spirit that just hangs out in the house waiting because he because the the promise would be that as long as there's a living family member he's still there to serve them he can't leave the house and so he's basically trying to find ways to just stay out of the way when it's not them and at the same point try to bring the family back yeah all right grant you have another one interesting based on well another thing that was kind of made into a movie yeah well i not exactly so We're, my working, idea was a favorite film Right, my idea was a favorite film, and I don't mean The Ring, okay? <laughs> I mean, let's say you've got a specific ghost who has a specific favorite movie, and indeed a specific copy of that movie, which that ghost likes so much that they will show up to watch it when it's put on. So, like, I've got an old VHS copy of, I, I, I don't know, The Maltese Falcon. Hey, you know, it's got MacGuffins, we like it around here. So you put the Maltese Falcon on, specifically this old VHS copy that's, you know, it's all scratchy and the tracking's off and whatever, but you put it on and Uncle Monty shows up on the couch next to you. He's been dead 30 years, but he loves this movie. He's going to watch it. It almost gives me a very Field of Dreams vibe. A little bit. Um, You know, and it's again, it's got the, the cool, it's a very unknown armies kind of idea where you put it on and then this ghost shows up and you can kind of talk to them while the movie's on. And then once the movie's done, that's it. And it's only got so many uses before the film just wears out. Um, and I, I think it works well with like a VHS or Betamax tape. If it's a DVD, yeah, you know, somehow that's not as exciting because you can play it forever. I think it's got to have a limited number of uses. There's got just there's got to be an just end to make date. it interesting. There's got to be an end date on it, otherwise it doesn't have the same kind of weight that it would. Right. Now, um, if you want to make it creepy, you know, let's say you've got a, a your protagonist has a dead older brother, and when the the protagonist finds an old copy of the cartoon movie they used to watch all the time, they put it in. All of a sudden, that dead older brother shows up. And it's real creepy. You know, it, that's a great way to kind of pull in some of that family horror, again, very modern horror movie kind of take on things. Um, but I, I think the idea of, and, and again, this is very replaceable, right? Because this could be a favorite record. It could be when reading a favorite book aloud, somebody sto- shows up. Any, And it doesn't matter what movie it is, as long as it's something that this person liked so much that they'll still come back and do it even though they're dead. Any old kind of media would work here. Yeah. All right, what's your next one? All right, you and I both came up with something that was weapon-related. Maybe it's the... Well, when you're talking about death... Yeah, you can't not do it. And there have been a bunch of different stories kind of around that, kind of in just that, that, that... When a weapon has a name, when it has a place... It, it has a history. It, it it lends itself to this kind of story. So I, I just had this idea of a ghost blade. And I don't mean that the blade itself, you know, is somehow the ghost. I, I, what I meant is, is that it's tied to an old, old knight, a spirit of an old kind of... I don't want to use the term crusader because that brings all sorts of baggage in that I'm not looking for. But just this, this very old school kind of knight. Just the way you'd think about it. And I, I even think of this in a modern context. And the thing that kind of uh, kind of is my backing for this is 
I don't know much about it yet because I'm only just getting into these books. But I know there's a thing in Dresden Files where, you know, people will just be going about their daily lives and suddenly, all of a sudden, poof, a sword just appears in their living room. And it brings with it this kind of holy purpose. Mm-hmm. I had that idea, like, this: the spirit of this old knight who either made the sword or carried it into some epic battle. It's the, the spirit of the sword is looking for somebody who is honest and true and pure to go about righting wrongs and continuing his work on earth. And I just had this idea of what if that happens and you don't want it? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's the, or, you know, wait a minute, you're giving this to me, but I'm a terrible person. Right. Right. And then the other question that I asked when I when I said that, I'm like, that just flows out of me normally. I just said, well, what if you don't want it? But then the other question is, what if you do? Do you become mm-hmm. like uh, the, the thought that crossed my mind? I don't know if how many of our listeners are, are super comic book readers, but um, there in the Batman story arc, there was a time when Batman got replaced with another character because Batman had his back broke. That character goes by the name of Azrael. And Azrael is Batman if he didn't have a conscience. Uh, Azrael basically carries a flaming sword and kills bad guys because they deserve divine punishment. Yeah, he's a real nice guy. He's a he's a, a, a wonderful person. <laughs> yeah, but, the best. So so what happens if you if you suddenly are given this weapon and said, "All right, you have the power to go about and right wrongs and and serve goodness and justice." How does that look now? Mm-hmm. What does how does that play out? Right, or do they covet that power? I mean, there's all sorts is, of ways. Is it take is that. something that was designed to be a good thing suddenly become a corrupting force? Right. Yeah, I, all sorts of options there. So, so what about what about your haunted weapon? Yeah, so I went a much creepier route, <laughs> and I, I got to give full credit to a buddy of mine in my gaming group years ago, who kind of came up with this basic concept in a uh, necessary evil game, speaking of superheroes. So um, the, the basic concept here is a haunted gun, specifically probably a revolver from the, the Old West, right? Because that's where horrible murder happens. And this old revolver captures the soul of every person it's killed. Which is pretty terrible. Yeah. You destroy that weapon, hey, you free all of those ghosts. But anybody who picks it up finds that they can summon back those ghosts. All of, get all of their knowledge. Have them do things for them. They basically control all of those ghosts. And suddenly, well, they're just a little too useful to get rid of, aren't they? You can do too much with them. And this gun, oh boy, it's there's a lot of... A lot of power in that because you kill someone with it and not only have you killed that person you're their boss now it's tempting it's pretty tempting isn't it man i could do things with that story yeah so that's that's my haunted gun one what's your next one? uh my next one we couldn't go this far without having a pirate ghost story uh it just it just seems to work and one thing that i always love is the the item or that has that story to it and everyone thinks it's this awesome thing and you start going for it and all of a sudden you realize it really isn't awesome. It actually is something truly terrible. So I had this idea for what, an item that I would just call the wish coin. And it, 
depending on your setting, depending on your on your overall theme, you can come up with different things about how that story develops. Maybe somebody uh, who is a partner of the old pirate, you know, created this story so that people would always be looking for it or anything like that. But no matter what the st- what started it, the story says that whenever a person wishes using that coin, it will automatically be granted. However, what actually happens is, is that that is the last remaining piece of gold from this unknown pirate treasure. The rest of it is lost, or at least we think it's lost. It's buried out somewhere, and there's one coin that got away. And the spirit of the old captain is still looking for that coin. If you have it in your possession, like like... We, like I said, you think that it's a good thing to have in your possession. You think that having it is going to be this great boon to your life. But the longer you keep it, the closer he gets to finding you. And then if you keep it too long, he does. I like it. I like it a lot. Because, you know, it, especially if it's um, a case where that treasure is lost, just scattered out to sea, right? Because, of course, if it's in the sea and scattered around... Every pirate knows you can't get it back. Right. But the one bit that's still on land, still getting passed around, that's got power. Yeah, and and I love that the just the story of that treasure having that power over a person that even death couldn't stop them from finding it. It it's a story of of greed and pride just encapsulated in this one little piece of shiny gold. And mm-hmm. I yeah, I, I I love stories that revolve around this thing because uh, if you really want to take this and run with it, uh, I recently picked up a comic book uh, by the name of 100 Bullets. Mm-hmm. And it's a series of stories uh, under I, – I, I haven't – I've only read the one book of it and I know it goes on for a while and I've heard mixed reviews of later stories. But the general understanding is is that a person is given an untraceable gun and 100 bullets of ammunition – and they're basically told, you can do whatever you want with this. We know that you have X ambition. You can do that with this. But you can't tell anybody about it. So all these stories un- just unfold based on these people getting this gun. And I have this idea of this coin being that. Like, once it once somebody finds it, they have, you know, maybe they do have good fortune at the start of it. And then by the time it's done, they actually are brought face to face with this awful with this terror. But then once that terror catches up with them, what happens to the coin? It still moves on. It still finds another owner, almost like the one ring in that kind of way that it, it will always go to find a new owner. Yeah. Mm, I like it. You know what this reminds me of? What's that? Uh, King John in 12 of England, 1216 story goat is that he's traveling from Spalding to Lincolnshire or, sorry, Spalding in Lincolnshire to Bishop's Lynn in Norfolk. Uh, he's taken ill, decides to return. And as he's going back, he sends his baggage train away because he's trying to travel. You know, he's very sick. It's the year after the Magna Carta is signed. He's under a ton of stress. He's old by this point. Uh, this, by the way, is King John, brother of Richard, general, terrible, king of England, etc. Right? So he sends the baggage train away. This baggage train contains all of the crown jewels of England. And as they're fording the Wash, a river in that area of England, basically the wagons are moving too slowly. The tide comes in and the wagon containing all of the crown jewels of England gets washed away down the river. And every bit of that treasure is lost, except for 
essentially what they they find the top of one goblet and that was it that's history yeah you know these things happen and so you know imagine and john died shortly after that so if you want to get kind of some historical horror going that's a great place to start because you have this terrible hated king who did all these terrible things and this treasure that was essentially kind of his death knell right losing that and of course the crown jewels of england are inherently tied to the power of england right so that goes as you know as that and the king goes so does the land you can do all sorts of things with that get some get some historical haunting yeah just that idea of of almost trying to to restore his pride and glory yeah any number of things or you know you somebody you could kind of do a, a clive Cussler thing right somebody finds a couple pieces of treasure on the bottom of the ocean where it's been washed out to sea down the river for you know six eight centuries whatever and all of a sudden now they start getting haunted yeah and they have to figure out oh wait it's part of this treasure that was lost let me take it back to england or to king john's grave you know that sort of thing yeah no i like it yeah all right so my last one you ready go for it haunted confessional oh i love it let's yeah let's bring it back around to the church right started with bells let's end with the church in in the confessional a haunted confessional where the dead come to confess their sins and i specifically like this kind of as a a connection to purgatory right you have these ghosts who are sinners and they're going through purgatory to kind of work off those sins and as they come to terms with and, and learn to confess the sins that they never confessed in life they show up at this confessional and confess those sins i i love that idea especially because who's the priest that hears that confession Oh, yeah. How do they handle it? Certainly it's hard on any priest there, right? And it's got to be harder on the parishioners who, you know, there's a steady stream of the dead coming in and out of their church, especially if they know the deceased. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's just a local thing. Maybe it's global. Who knows? What would really... Maybe it's very specific cases. There's also... Any variation of that, I think, works well. What would really be interesting, and I just thought about this... Obviously, we're talking about, you know, a concept of purgatory. Now, I would it would be really interesting, especially in this day and age when one church will fall and then another church will, will buy the building. It would really be interesting to deal, you know, because of the fact, yeah, we deal with theology all the time. You and your podcast, your other podcast that you do and, and me and mine. This, this idea that what if you're in a church that doesn't believe in that? Oh, okay. Let's go with this. Got an old church building that's been run down for ages, Uh right? Catholic church. It's got a confessional. And the property gets bought and the building gets restored and a real modern, like, you know, uh, uh, contemporary church goes in, right? You got the the worship band and all the works. And the dead start showing up because they're looking to confess and they're trying to find the confessional. Yep. Or, they're, you know, it's like, well, no, this is the church where the dead go. Right. We're, like, we got this thing to do, but but we don't believe in that. Well, we do, and we're here. Yeah. You know? That, that's <laughs> you know? always interesting. It's the understanding of, of our understanding being torn down by what is physically in front of us. Yeah. You know, uh, 
might be a little fraught, but it'd be a really fun story. Like I would want to write it. I yeah, I I think it's going to be one of those things that you do you do tread on eggshells a bit just because of the fact that I mean, as like I like I alluded to earlier, there's probably going to be some people upset that we're talking about ghost stories. But I do think there's value in I mean, think of think of our great writers. I mean, C.S. Lewis, Dante. These are people talking about a progression from hell to heaven. And whether you agree with them theologically or not, it makes for really interesting reads and really intriguing stories. Yeah. And if, you know, if the story teaches, that's what we're at. Right. Right. All right. So let's move on to our blueprints, shall we? Our books and movies and other media that exemplify uh what we're kind of driving at great examples that we like and recommend. Yep. All right. I think we all know the first one. Yeah. There's no way we could not talk about them. Vigo, the Carpathian. <laughs> he is Vigo. He's Vigo. The nerdy er example of the haunted object, the big portrait of Vigo, the Carpathian from Ghostbusters two. Everybody loves it. Everybody knows it. By the way, I learned today that it's not, the way they made that portrait, they didn't actually paint it. They took a picture of the actor, blew it up, and aged Did it. Did they really? <laughs> yeah. So they it looks like a painting, but they to get an accurate painting, they took a photograph that's, of it. That's that's <laughs> fantastic. Movie magic. Movie magic. Every time I think about that movie, I just can't help but but imagine that why am I covered in goo? <laughs> yes. Well, uh, not a good movie, but it's oh, I love that movie. It, it's ter- it's horrible, but I love every moment of it. It doesn't have to be good to love it, you know. Exactly. All right. So the next one that I came up with. Um, this. Oh my goodness, this is a really good one. Yeah, Fatal Frame. That video game series has a camera that you have to look through to see ghosts. The camera itself is not haunted. That should be said. But this camera sees ghosts, and of course, the video game. You know that you're a lot of okay, I'm trying to capture ghosts, I'm trying to look through it to fight ghosts, yada, 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 who cares? It's a camera that sees ghosts. Tell me that's not awesome. Yeah, no, that that game is creepy, too. Because, oh, yeah, it is. Because you'll get hints that a, uh, something is around you, but then you actually have to stop. As this thing is chasing you, you have to stop, aim the camera, and snap a picture. Um, oh, it's oh, it's so good. Oh, there's all sorts of horrible, creepy stuff. The the hall with ropes and everything. Oh, it's it's nasty. So good. Yep. All right, your next right. one. I I had one. Uh, it's hard to narrow down one haunted object in this game. Yeah, they're uh, all haunted. Pretty much, there's there's literally dozens of different objects that are haunted in this game. It's Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh yeah. For those of you who might not have played it, it is basically a board game where a bunch where all the players are people exploring this old haunted house and at, through the course of time eventually it gets revealed that there's this underlying story and one of you is actually a traitor. Usually, yeah. Sometimes everybody's working against the house, but there's always one person running who basically is given the role of the antagonist, but until then they've been working with you. Right, and and in that game, there are so many different things that you've collected or things that you've seen, because the the different scenarios are based on if you have if the person who rolled the wrong dice has this item, do this, or if they're right. in, in this, this room, room. if they're yeah, in this room, yeah. There's a big chart, and it's okay when the haunt is revealed. That person got this card in this room. That's number such and such, and there's like sixty haunts in the books. By the way. 
Look online for fan-created haunts. They are just as good, if not better. I don't doubt that at all. Oh, there's so there's infinite content for that game. It's great. All right. Uh, and by the way, it's a really good co-op game. Just like as a gamer, hardly recommend it. Great board game. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so good movies, two movies really, uh, that exemplify this. And we didn't touch on haunted dolls, but boy, haunted dolls are creepy. Uh, they and, always are. And two movies, The Conjuring and Annabelle, are both inspired by the same story of a purportedly haunted Raggedy Ann doll. Uh, I can't speak to the quality of either movie because I don't watch horror movies, but if that's your thing and you think haunted dolls are creepy, apparently those are pretty good. Good to know. Yeah. You kind of alluded to your next one, too, earlier I on. did. And again, this is one I haven't read, just because I don't read a lot of Stephen King. But Christine, The Haunted Car, right? Great movie about it. Classic example. Go check it out if you're not familiar with it. Just go read the book. It's pretty good. Okay, my next one is actually a computer game. Oh, it's an old one, but it's, it's so it's good. It's been around a while. It recently got released. The, the guys at, uh, at GOG, Good Old Games, uh, recently... GOG.com. Re- they, they re-released it. And uh, it's it's a game that, oh my goodness, when I was in like my early teenage years, I was playing this game and it creeped me out in the best of ways. And if anybody, I can't, there's no way I can not use the opening line. There's a creepy narrator throughout the whole thing. And uh, oh, yeah. op- in the super cheesy live action on top of animation. Full motion video, style. my friend. Oh yeah. So good. But so bad. Uh, the, the, the opening line that stuck with me even till now I can, I can hear it in my head. It's basically old man Stauff built a house and filled it with his dolls. Um, Oh my goodness. The whole idea is that it's this old creepy dude who was making toys for kids. And the problem was, was that the children who played with Stauff dolls, which was everybody because he made the best toys, uh, Basically, the kids all started to get sick and dying. And you realize that Stauff basically came out of nowhere because he was a drifter. He was this really terrible person. And he, like, makes this deal with something truly awful. And before you know it, he's world famous. and oh, making, yeah. And making these dolls that are just absolutely, like, literally killing kids. And you basically come to that house and witness all these spirits in the house as they're reenacting this last great party. And you start realizing that as you look through all the people that are coming in, there are six people in the house and the game is called the seventh guest. And you realize that you are in fact the seventh guest. Oh my goodness. That game is amazing. It's an old school puzzle game. And if yeah, kind of missed style, but a little slower and older. Oh yeah, if if you can deal with the fact that the graphics have not been updated since the early 90s, it is so good. It's really good. Yep, actually my wife and I a uh, year or two ago uh put it on one of our computers and played through it together. A lot oh, of fun. So good. Great fun. All right, so my last one is much friendlier. Uh it's a Curious George movie. Yay. Okay? <laughs> uh, this is on Netflix for kids. Trust me. It's actually really good. Curious George, a Halloween boo fest. If you've got kids, like little kids, this is a great movie to watch with them. My daughter, who's just turned three, she loves this movie. But it's got an actually pretty interesting story about a house and land, and specifically a scarecrow 
that is haunted or seems to be haunted. I'm not going to spoil it for you because it's a simple little kid's story and it's fun to watch together. But it actually does a pretty good job, not just talking about, oh, hey, you know, here's this haunted scarecrow. But what happens when people stop being scared by something and whether it's more fun to have that fun Halloween scare? Yeah. It's actually, it's really fun and pretty good. I really, I enjoyed watching it with my daughter and not just because my daughter was having fun. Like I sat there going, this is actually kind of fun. This is cool. All right. I think that's it for us. Mike, you got anything else? I I don't, man. I am just, I love this. I, I love ghost stories. Like I said, I've been chasing ghost stories since I was young. Uh, I'm always fascinated with the narrative of ghost stories, which is really funny because people ask me if I believe in them. I say no. Yeah, but that doesn't make them any less fun. No, I am absolutely fascinated by their creation, their evolution. I absolutely love these stories because this is the kind of stuff you've been, that's been told around campfires since the dawn of time, pretty much. Oh, absolutely. And so speaking of stories, share yours with us. We really want to hear about it, especially if you take an idea and just run with it. And like we said, if you've got ideas for MacGuffins, Send them to us. We're excited to hear those, and we'll be happy to credit you with, you know, that particular episode topic. Oh, definitely. All right. Well, Mike, let's call it here, shall we? I think that's a great idea. All right. Well, listen, from all of us here at Inroads Ministries, saving the game and game store profits, have a good one. Take it easy. We'll catch you later. The MacGuffin Factory is produced by Inroads Ministries under a Creative Commons share-alike non-commercial license. Find more MacGuffin Factory episodes and other great podcasts and articles on the web at inroadsministries.com. Our intro and outro music is Wyvern by Ray Rude, used under license and available at freemusicarchive.org. Find more of Ray Rude's music at needledrop.co. And remember, no matter the setting, no matter the medium, we all tell our stories together. So make them worth the telling.